0: Okay, uh, welcome to a special edition of the DNR Community Spotlight. Actually, this is the first of three ARC 2 wrap-up episodes. Today, I'm talking about Group A with a bunch of people, and we'll just kind of start and get introductions. How about just in order that we are um, in the chat thing over here? So, start with Ames.
1: Hey, I'm Ames. Hey, I'm Mark. Um, hey, it's Steve. And Rob.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, maybe we'll throw some Discord names with those really quick too. Um, Ames is Ames, although she's now Flames for some reason in the Discord. I think oh, I reason? missed the no reasons, reason. No reason. <laughs> that's fine.
2: There's no specific reason. It's all good.
0: <laughs> Mark has a username that Bree like annihilated on the last Living in Theria, I think um, Noxus Cram or not. I don't know how to say that, but.
3: Oh, you actually got it pretty good. Knox.
0: is oh, There we go. And Steve is Steve the wiki guy. And uh, Rob is theatrical Scott. Or so, theatrical
4: slut us. these days, apparently.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I thought you changed that back.
4: <laughs> uh, I changed it back on a lot of channels. I've kept it that way on the Discord for DMR. Okay. So just, you know, we'll keep the joke going for a while.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So, basically, the format... Here is, we're not going to try to talk about every episode. What um, I had everybody do, um, which included the Sheikhs, and the Sheikhs is not here because I think his daughter's moving or something, um, is I had everybody submit like one episode they wanted to talk about and one discussion topic that they wanted to talk about. And we're going to do that, and they're kind of tied together by just a loose summary of what the groups did in between then. Um, so that's pretty much what we're gonna do. So um, yeah. So starting with group A. Um, little disclaimer before we go. Um, we're we're all here because we love the show, and uh, like there might be some controversial opinions. I don't know, but it doesn't mean we don't like anything about the show. It's just because it's here. But also, the sheep isn't here, so we probably are missing a lot of the controversy. So it's gonna be totally <laughs> fine. So I don't know what you mean.
2: I mean. Mark's here to pick up the torch, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. So, um, yeah, I listened, re-listened to a few of these episodes and read over some summaries and stuff. And so uh, the group kind of starts out on this mission from Winterhaven. They're supposed to rescue some orcs that have been uh, captured by the New Vol. Uh They find this New slaver, encamp- slaver encampment near the Blistering Peaks. They manage to free the orcs. There's this big battle and stuff. There are orcs and moles that they uh, help escape, basically. Uh, The group convinces the orcs to travel back with them to the orcish lands. That's basically the first couple episodes. And that takes us to um, episode six, which the Sheiks picked as an episode for us to talk about. It's called Mercy. And uh, what did you guys think about this one?
2: I I thought it was a good pick for an episode. Um, So... I started with arc two. I listened to the recap, and I have to say that episode, like Mercy, might have been the first one where something happened. And I was like, "Whoa! Like, what's going on here?" You know?
0: Um, exactly. What thing are you talking about?
2: <laughs> well, funny you should ask. Um, Susan, as we've discovered, has a love of daggers. So. <laughs> 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 um, Well, I guess a quick summary would be that uh, they're taking one of their slaver prisoners back to the orc encampment. And Maddie argues that it would be better to let him try to fight his way, like do a fight to the death to earn his freedom instead of bringing him back to the slaver, uh, the orcs to be, you know, tortured. I don't know, whatever. She manages to convince the orcs and he, the slaver basically gets pummeled almost to death.
4: Yeah, that and combat that, was brutal.
2: Oh <laughs> my god. I was just like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and then um, when they all think he's dead, Maddie goes to do funeral rites, discovers he's not dead, and quickly fixes that with, I think she slits his throat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, that just listening to that, especially like the first couple of episodes, you get the. I don't know, you know, you kind of think, okay, she's following. I mean, for me at least she's like she's a cleric, so she's going to be like a good guy and it's like, oh, okay, we'll go there. <laughs>
3: that was yeah. a that was a really dark turn for for me to see a cleric go from from going out there and trying to to protect the guy and keep him from just getting brutalized in the encampment and then to turn around and And it still didn't seem like it was necessarily out of mercy because she, you know, she made that statement. I don't remember exactly what it was about, you know, him essentially being a pox on the earth and that, that he deserved to die regardless.
0: Yeah. I think that was our first glimpse at her um, like background with the slavers and stuff really. So more of that came out as the arc went along, but yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. What I really liked
4: about that moment was, basically the whole masoka saying you want me to deal with this and maddie's like basically now i got this <laughs> and that's the moment where you kind of go oh there's more to this character than maybe we thought
5: yeah the the quote you were looking for is you knew valor a blight on theria ah uh, yes it is mm-hmm.
0: yeah i had a couple more things from listening to this episode um there's kind of a funny moment that I thought brought out Xavier's character really well, where he like hugged all the moles, which they didn't know what that was, really. And then he gave them most of his money, I think. Um, oh, that's
1: yes. true. But yeah, I you that got to,
0: yeah. I was going to say, you, you got to see
5: a lot of the characters coming out. In the previous episodes, they were doing the mission and doing things, but as they went along to this was their second or third episode or session, you can see them bits and pieces of them coming out. Like you said, Donovan did a couple things in the first episode. You know, he kissed the slave or the thug on the forehead. And you can see he has an odd way of dealing with things, but it's effective.
0: Um mm-hmm. a couple more things from this. Uh this kind of early in the arc, the Ubo Maddie relationship was pretty important, I think. Um, it kind of got less as it went along, but there was a point where Maddie offered to use the chest cutting rock, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and then this was kind of Ubo-centric, right? Like he really wanted to get to take the this, this slaver back. Like he wanted to get some like glory or like forgiveness from the orcs uh, for whatever that he did before. And he thought taking the slaver back to them would be like a big deal. It didn't happen. But
1: anyway. Um, anything else on this one um, so. trying to think no I don't think so yeah I just had one more thing there's a
0: loose end from this one that I had forgotten about which there was the letter that the new vault wanted to capture a ladron. so oh yeah well yeah. they they have a whole lot more to choose from now so. yeah, yeah.
2: Well, their <laughs> chances good.
0: just went way up well, True. they were saying they were like really valuable because there weren't that many of them, so maybe their value went down recently. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I know we've
5: broken the Eladrin market on Elora. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Didn't um didn't they give that note to the lady in
0: Winterhaven? I think they did eventually. Yeah. So maybe
6: that
1: something's going on with that.
0: <laughs> um. Okay. So after that, uh, the group moves along, and they get to the Mozak camp. They meet with uh, this guy, Orok, who I think has some history with Ubo. And they meet with Gorkal, the leader. And they kind of talk about like what's going on with the elves and Winterhaven and all that stuff. And I think that basically what they come up with is the orcs are going to expand the camp like the other direction and not into the evergreen. Um, and they're basically trying to get the elves and orcs to stop killing each other for a while. Um, the group then goes to Kalkas. Um, right, yeah. But on the way, they run into the old white raven cave. And there's all the names of the ravens and stuff in there. Um, and there's a gate in there, which is kind of interesting, right? Um, they make it to Kalkas and they speak to Amvin's father, Inra, who I had no idea. Was going to be there, so that was interesting. And a Britannia Moonshadow,
1: and then um, I think we. Oh, hold on. I probably need to edit this, but that's
0: okay. Uh, for some reason, my notes are in a different color right here. Uh, <laughs> why? Why are they in a different color? Yeah, I'm going to have to edit for the first time. It's because I copied Steve's notes, and it changes the color of the text when I copy off the wiki. Is so, better: yeah, <laughs> that's what's going on
1: here
0: um, basically, after that, they set off back towards Winterhaven, but on the way, Amvin stumbles on a locked door in the ground, and this basically ends up uh, there's this weird mantis creature thing in there, uh, but this is where Kirkland comes from, like Donovan finds his armor on the way. yeah so, the
4: whole uh, the whole argument between the party about whether it's okay to you know strip a body of his armor. <laughs> Like the grave-robbing arg- argument or tomb-raiding, maybe a better term for it. Um, yeah,
5: that, that was really interesting. It. <laughs> yeah, and it was—it was—it's a good, fair argument based on perspective. You know, you're an adventurer; you have to upgrade your loot as you go. If you find something better, not everything is store-bought, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and I think. Was also I wonder
4: injured. if Maddie would have objected as much had it not been a paladin or a monitor.
0: I don't think so.
5: <laughs> I think Maddie has her opinions, and it's uh, probably straight across the board. Yeah, I mean, I think she would have objected.
4: I just don't think she would have been quite strident about it.
0: Yeah, maybe. Although, like, in the long run, I think maybe, like, um, Donovan has come a little close. Like, I don't think he's religious, but he's gotten some respect. For a monitor or something well, coming from that, that's so, a thing that
5: I I don't think it was intentional, but almost all of Group A, I think in the one of the last episodes they were all doing morning sunrise yoga together. You know, um, <laughs> even a good uh, part of
2: them, yeah.
5: Even at I think everyone, but um, uh, I forget. I think it was like five out of the six of them. Ambin was working out a little bit. I think Aster joined them in the morning. Maybe it was everyone yeah. but Ubo.
4: And I think it's an interesting thing with the with group arc over this whole the, over the whole of arc two is that the the most of them came a little bit closer to some sort of religious experience. Oh, I think that's and, where I was going. Yeah, and Maddie was the opposite in a lot of ways. I mean, she didn't lose her faith
5: or anything, but.
2: Yeah, she definitely distanced herself from the church.
5: the, uh, the church in Aubrey, Aubrey, right, yeah, specifically. But yeah, e- everyone else, you know, Masoka is now the Almighty Masoka. Um, yep,
2: He's the Messiah.
5: May, maybe with the exception of Ubo, who isn't, you know, didn't really shift that way. But Donovan had an arc with it. You know, a- everyone saw some kind of power or reflection, and I think even Maddie got a a, a message. You know, so everyone right. got something that took them one step closer.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, and Ubel actually kind of did. It's just his experience was with a demon and not a god. So. It was almost running towards that direction because of,
1: yeah. you know.
0: Hm. So, yeah, um, after that, they, like, kept going on the road, and they come across this performer named Leroy Garvey. Um Yay, Leroy. Up- <laughs> for, he was on a Patreon content or something before, I think. He was, yeah.
5: He was the one where they were running the bakery in. Was
0: in. Lockford. Lockford. Yeah. And he yes. was
5: the one that they sent in to test the opposition's baked goods.
0: Yeah. So um, Ubo and Masoka get talked into performing with him when they get to Winterhaven. So they travel with him and they get to Winterhaven and. Um, the main thing that happens there is they secure a time and a place for the play. They also do some stuff by turning in their quest, basically. But um, they secure a time and place for the play. And uh, Masoka finds this underground fighting ring. And he cheats. And Maddie didn't like that very much. So <laughs> that happened, was, And yeah.
2: He was defending her honor, but she didn't seem to see it that way, I think.
5: And it was Chad.
2: like with a name like chad you know no offense to any of the chads out there but like
4: come on (laughs) why haven't you changed (laughs) it yet
2: yeah
0: it was interesting listening back to these at the like maddie masoka relationship stuff kind of going on and just checking in like every 10 episodes or something on how their relationship is going so i'm not totally clear where they are at the end of the arc
5: but. Damn near engaged, I think.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I think it was
3: really interesting, though, to see that, uh, to, to see Mazoka go through that where, you know, it's real easy to say, OK, you know what, I'm just going to follow the rules and, and try and win it this way and, and do the upstanding thing. But to to see how he was able to justify that decision was uh, was fun from a character development standpoint and how he justified that.
5: It, yeah. If you if you listen to the group A arc, um, I went through to for a different project, and you listen to just Group A, it it flows really well and it makes a lot of sense the way they develop. Where at first Maddie is like, "Wow, you're a scumbag," you know, and it it is very gradual. And by the time they make it to Dern Hollow, you know, she's joining him at the bar, and he's almost living clean. And, you know, he's not drinking, he's not carousing, he's not even looking for any of that because of her. You know, so it's interesting to watch it throughout the arc.
4: Yeah, I think I'd like to go back and listen to the whole arc, just group A, because I think of all the groups, they probably suffered most from being a bit Um, Mm -hmm. stop-start. They had long gaps between some of their episodes more often than the others, I think. Uh, I don't quite how it felt that way, but I think that was maybe like the. I I remember Group B having you know a couple of episodes almost back to back, and the the flow of that from a week by week standpoint seemed to work a little better.
5: I but, think it ended up almost even for the numbers. Yeah,
4: but yeah, Group I think B it was did, just
5: the order that they were in. Yeah, Group B yeah. did end up. It seemed like every other week was a Group B, but I think it came out about the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That takes us to our next uh, chosen episode. And that was episode number 27, which is Showtime, um, which is basically the play, which I kind of line up with like the Buffy musical episode of, uh, <laughs> of DNR. It's one of, to me, one of the most memorable episodes of the show um, because it was this really fun, like encounter, skill check, challenge thing that had nothing to do with combat and didn't have life or death consequences. Life or death consequences, but um, I, I the really, appearance really from Malthus Yeah,
2: I was so invested in how well they were doing on that.
0: Yeah, the they,
5: rolls were amazing. So they, they they rolled really well when it counted,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and, and I think there was only maybe one or two spots where there was a hitch. But yeah, everyone knocked it out of the park, even if it was just Donovan doing the street team. Everyone yeah. everyone had their, their part, and it. it worked really well. In the guest appearances, you know, whenever Rob can reprise Malchus, I'm happy. Um, but we had a, a Jadzia Stinger, we had a little Valis. We, you know, there, there's, there was a lot of things happening in that episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think wasn't the uh, I think the extent of the Malchus was that he was there and he said damn. Yeah. But
4: yeah. It was it was as usual with Rob and his one-liners, it was just perfectly timed though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yet, to me this was like the signature episode for Group A, at least until we got late into the arc. That was that was their their shining moment from early on, and and uh, and that was the one that stood out for a long time.
0: Yeah, I think. I think some of the other groups were, it seemed like they were a little jealous of like, hey, they got to have a play and like we're dying in the Divide or whatever. Like, it, oh, the Divide. It didn't well, they were in the Divide care. for 17 weeks, so. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, so anyway, that was just really enjoyable. And um, any any other comments on that one or just keep going? Um. It's, well, oh,
4: go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I, I, I really wish they hadn't just basically left Leroy behind. <laughs> not not necessarily taken him with them, but it was like it was like all right, we've done the play by then. <laughs> and that was it. It's like, but you know, yeah. he's out there somewhere, so
5: but think of the next time they go back. What Leroy might have written in the meantime or Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he, he may have totally degraded and just turned into an alcoholic, but I doubt mm-hmm. it. I I I like to think the next time someone goes to Winterhaven Leroy is gonna be trying to get back on top of his game because of that.
4: The play was now su- the play was such success that Leroy is now like the first advisor to
0: Nathaniel. I don't know about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that seems a little far fetched.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So after that, they have this set of jobs to choose from, um, and I didn't go back and try to remember what all of those were, but I know there was something with the dragon, I think, and Mm -hmm. the the minotaurs had some issues that they wanted checked out. There might've been one more. And then there was the choose to go to Donhurst and clean up what group B did thing. Um, And that's what they picked. So it really sets up like the rest of the arc. They're on the way to Donhurst. Um, So that's- I have to say. Yeah.
2: I do love that Jason included the oh, do you want to go deal with the giant black dragon? No. <laughs> nobody option. wants to do that. <laughs> no. Like, is there literally anybody in Daria who wants that job right now?
5: Una. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't even know that Una would at this point, but it, it's interesting, I'm looking at the spreadsheet here. That it took them from episode 27 for the play. Yep. To 71 or 72 to get to Donhurst, yeah Yeah, it was a long time. It, that was the, and, and it was only, I think a week and a half in game.
4: right. Like that. that was what a year and a half
5: <laughs> in, yeah. in the real world. So, a I, lot happened in that time. Well,
4: that's
6: yeah. what
5: I said it, it was, and, and this is the next point, um, from Theriathon to Theriathon. They went from old Claudius to the season finale.
4: Oh, wow, yeah. Because old Claudius wasn't long after they left
0: Winterhaven, was it?
2: No, yeah. I think it was oh. the next... Uh... It was
0: the next episode or two. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think this is a discussion topic here, but um, travel in Arc 2 and like how long it took to get places is probably one of those controversial topics. I think it's something that was mentioned in that survey response episode. Like, some of these things feel like they just took forever um, to have. Well, it's happen. kind of, kind of so, the opposite
4: of Art 1. Yeah. Crossing the continent in, you know, hours.
5: <laughs> yes. But at the same time, had they not done the travel time, they wouldn't have found um, Donovan's armor. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have run into old Claudius. They wouldn't have done the, uh, and this is not necessarily Group A, the, the Tomb of Vecna and brought in the Royals. And mm-hmm. so the traveling, while yeah, it might take a slog like uh, Crossing the Divide, they met Decky, they suplexed a werewolf. There's a lot of things that happened because of the travel that added to things. I honestly I
4: mean, had no problem with the travel. Um no. yeah, I mean they were in the divide for ages and and whatever, but so much happened when they were in the divide. It didn't seem to me that it was like a dragged out thing.
6: Right.
2: And this might become like my theme for our our little wrap-ups here, but because I haven't listened to Arc 1 and like I don't know if I think most a lot most people in the discord know, but I haven't actually played D&D. So I came into this podcast looking for a good story and like hoping to get into D and D as well. But I think I'm a sucker for character development and I'm a sucker for like a story that builds up. And you know, the way I see it is like, it's okay if the, if the first little bit slow, slower, cause you're getting all that build up and all this like rich character development. And then when you get punched in the face in the next bit, it's going to mean all that much more.
5: Mm hmm. Right, so how's that Slowly. working out for you?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, um, I'm the, I'm discovering that Jason's really good at and like the cast as well is really good at doing that rich character development and build up while punching you in the face at the same time.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you should listen to arc one. You get punched oh, in the face yeah. a lot.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'm on episode thirty something, thirty
5: eight. Oh, you're doing fine then.
2: Yeah. I had to slow down for another project, but I'm going to pick back up soon, yeah. but yeah. Okay. For me, um, travel,
3: um, I, I felt like it It almost turned in Arc 2 into a choose-your-own-adventure where it seemed like everything is, was would click by right up until there was an encounter, and the vast majority of the encounters ended up turning out to be really dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. if we didn't have travel, well, Calvin would still have both arms.
1: Yeah, right. Huh.
3: So sometimes it wasn't just a a a story point. It seemed like at any point, um, that stop. You know, as soon as as soon as the travel stopped, it was like, all right, is is someone going to get hit with something? Uh, and and like the, I think they joked about in in some of these episodes coming up. It's okay. Well, do we turn around and go back to? go back to town to heal up again.
2: Mm-hmm. And like, if there was, if it wasn't for travel, they wouldn't have run into that. Uh, I mean, I think it's coming up. It's one of the discussion topics, but the slaver cart. And mm-hmm. like a lot of, it seems to me, Anvin and Donovan went, both went down in that fight. And that could have gone really badly, really quickly.
6: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, uh, we will come back to some of yeah, the stuff. We're going to keep going. And, um, and then we also have uh, for future purposes, um, my chosen topic for Group C is combat and theria, which is gonna talk about like how super dangerous the combat is because of some of the rule changes and stuff. so that might be another one of those controversial ones, but um we'll we'll get to that so this is actually um Ames's episode is yeah, they left Winterhaven on this thing and then we were at on this mission, and it was Theriathon, and there's a bear. So, uh, Ames, why did you pick this one, and uh, what did you want to talk about here?
2: Um, okay, so when I first started listening, I caught up right, like, at Theriathon, I think. the Like, so not this year's, so last year's Theriathon. So this was the first episode that I listened to, like, right after it came out. And I just, like, I don't know, there's something about it you still get some good character development even though you have uh combat um and i think it was interesting because that was the first live episode like i didn't listen to it live but recorded you can still hear the cast and jason commenting on what's going on in the chat and i just thought like i i tried to pick an episode that would relate to my topic discussion which will come up later but
0: yeah, I re-listened yeah. to this one today on the the bike trail. And um it it was interesting. Um I think they thought they were gonna get more out of killing Claudius than they did mm-hmm. in the year. <laughs> they um,
5: got a t shirt. What more do you want? Well <laughs> uh, and, and a meme. Um yes, a long running meme.
0: Yeah. yeah at, I, at least a year. I had forgotten how much the bear weighed, like seven thousand pounds. 7, pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I guess I assumed in the meme that it had been like 50,000 pounds or something, because 7,000 pounds is ridiculous, as people showed scientifically, but it doesn't sound that crazy at first, um, until people started doing calculations in the chat and
1: stuff.
4: <laughs> well, I think the fun part of that was where somebody like did the math and was like,
5: this bear is radioactive. <laughs> yeah, the, the weight versus size—it became so dense that it, it had um, objects revolving around it.
2: <laughs> it had its own gravitational pull.
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, we we don't have a, a t-shirt yet with a bear with like some planets revolving around. We do. It's the Lots t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. Um, and now I it's, there was one. How much does does that weigh? And the answer is lots, lots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, from there, actually, the next episode that was chosen is uh, number 39, Leave It Alone, which is also the very next episode. Um, so let me see. I forgot who picked this one. That was me. That was Steve. Okay, what was up with this episode? Why did you pick it? This episode is,
5: it, I want to say it's a Maddie centric episode, but it's not. Um, she just instigated a huge conversation. Which is they encounter the cart coming the other way on the road. Um, I think Masoko turns around and looks in the back. They they decide that there's slaves possibly, and Maddie pulls a grito and shoots first. And like you said, Amvin Donovan several times I think went down, um, and it could have gone very badly for everyone with no explanation of why. If, the, you know, if, if it had gone a few more bad rolls, it could have been a half a party wipe, and there wouldn't have been an explanation. So it's kind of, how much do you tell your party how soon that you may have certain anger issues <laughs> and trigger. you know, certain triggers, and the fact that she just took a shot without saying, hey, guys, there might be a thing to check here it is a, a bold choice at at the very least.
0: Anybody else? Well, well I no, just I wanted
4: think. to say I think you've just made a number of heads explode by saying pull the Greedo and shot first, but that's nothing to
0: do with DNR.
5: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone's got an opinion. You
3: know, there was a lot of time there with uh, I think it was Donovan and Masoka that were just continuing that conversation with the current driver. And I think that there was, it, it brought an interesting question to me as, you know, as you have a party going down in, in Theria where theoretically there's lots of other adventuring parties. How often are you just going to nose yourself into some other party's business?
2: And like, I think the key word too, of what you said, Steve is they might have been slaves is the, and that, like, yes, they were all chained up and everything. But Maddie didn't know for a fact that they were slaves until they let them go. And it turned out in her favor that time. But I think, I can't remember who brought it up. Somebody might even, somebody even said, like, they might just be prisoners. Yeah. They might have done something wrong. They might just be prisoners and they're escorting them. And I think... Well, I
4: think- yeah, I mean, what, what would it have be been if these, well,
5: this people slaughtered a bunch of children. <laughs> it yeah, could they could have been, have been so been horrible, much worse. Horrible murderers. Um But the, the I... entire interaction when they first met them on the road, and everyone was a little sketchy and short answers, and no one was really forthcoming. It, I, it, it's it's easy to to pick a direction, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but you could be very very wrong. Yeah, I think because again, I listened to this one today. Also, um, it was. Maddie in the middle of the battle was like, oh, wait, these could just be prisoners. So that was actually her (laughs) that came to that realization. Um, But I think this is another one to bring up with, like, the, the combat and, like, advantage on almost every attack, which is what kept killing Donovan because he had, like, four people around him and, like, endless advantage. And he just got, like, hit over and over and over again. I think he was down two or three times. Um, and it's actually maybe a little more dangerous because I I think there are some spell rules that were done wrong in here where he got healed like twice in a couple rounds by the same person, which he can't actually do. (laughs) So, um, I think he might have been in even more trouble without that. So that, that was interesting too, but, um, not a big deal. Something I picked up on a second
3: listen through that I didn't catch the first time. Was, uh, was that foreshadowing of the lead guy having the, the messed up voice and the obvious burn damage to his throat to tie in with them mm-hmm. having captured these two
0: red dragonborn. Oh, mm. I didn't even think about why he had those burns.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, you, you,
0: I don't think you would until
5: after you've listened to it, but it was mentioned right in the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
5: Um, and Donovan went down twice. I just looked it up.
0: Okay. I'm still confused about why he was a priest and he was doing this job. That doesn't totally make sense to me.
5: Not but. every priest is good and honorable and... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It, it, You've got a, a skill set and you have to make money. Not everyone chooses the best way to do it. And that's I mean, the best as, you know, with air quotes.
2: Zanin Carter was a priest. True. Yeah, I guess Good
0: that's
2: point. true. <laughs> hey, you've listened
0: to some Mark 1. <laughs> <laughs> i just enough. Carter yeah. was
5: the best. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> so yeah, there's this big combat, and uh, they kill most of them, and a couple a couple of them live, and they end up, uh, they free the prisoners, and they keep the driver of the cart. They're going to turn him in for being a slaver. And I think they let a couple of the people go, the other guards that they decided we're just doing their job so okay. that's pretty much how that one wraps up um, they keep going on the way to aubrey um a couple of important things happen um in between here and uh, our next episode that we're going to talk about um maddie kind of explains what was going on with the slavers and a little bit of her past um donovan gets visited by kirkland for the first time um They get to Aubrey, and they stay at the Eternal Slumber Inn. Well, those of them that don't go stay at the church because they don't like vampires um, stay at the Eternal Slumber Inn. Uh, Masoka talks to God, which is fun. Um, I think that's the time that he learns about uh, Father White's illness. Maybe not. I didn't re-listen to this part, but I think that's where he learns about that. I think you're right. Uh, Okay. Uh, then uh, we, we are not going to talk about the carriage episode, but I think everybody knows what <laughs> happens there. They find a carriage, Ubo casts Erupting Earth, a couple people die, and then they run back to Aubrey. So that's basically what happens there. And at the end of that, um, right before the next episode, uh, Donovan resurrects Masoka. And as we learn later, pretty much Kirkland sacrificed himself to do that. So... Um,
1: And if I could just Yeah. Oh,
2: sorry. Just really quickly touch on the carriage episode. I think that's a good demonstration of what can go wrong when you don't talk to the party before you take a decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seemed totally reasonable to me. Like I thought it had something to do with vampires and stuff. I'm like, oh, there's some vampire in there, and he's just gonna like rock the thing and wake him up. Like it's fine. It'll it'll be fine. And I was not expecting The fire (laughs) carriage bomb
2: thing. It it turned out to be a little more than a rock. And then, you know,
0: yeah, it, it wasn't great.
2: It it
5: does come back around. It's, it's like she said, it's, it's snap decisions without going, okay, everybody stand back because I think they had all just said, okay, let's all stand back. Mm -hmm. And then Ubo did a thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like Masoka was still at the door trying to pick the lock. When the carriage a lot, right. it seems to me.
4: And it was a really, it was a great um, um, again this move is on kind Rob's of a, part because it thing, really encompassed the the my... frustration and impatience that Ubo had been feeling with with the journey taking so long and the time and Aubrey sure. and, yeah, I mean it was it was it made perfect sense character wise, and it's really been I know at, at one point that Rob was feeling, well, I don't know what to do with this character from here, but it's just one of those things that I think is going to long-term be
5: such a a boon to the character.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
5: But I'll go back to, that was a travel thing. Had they mm -hmm. not been doing the travel rules, they wouldn't have stopped to do a perception to even find the cart. Yes. And a lot of things came out of that one action, and like you said, it, it made a ton of sense from Uo's point of view to take that action although it could have been discussed because they had time but people make decisions and that's what happens
6: sometimes
4: well and i think that the kind of proposed changes that that jason's been talking about for for arc 3 travel and, and making it move a bit faster i think in some respects it kind of fits the the character of the arc because with this being I kind of get to know the characters build the relationships arc a lot of travel time makes a lot more sense if we're going to be a bit more for lack of a better term plot driven in arc 3 then speeding up travel makes a bit of sense too so i think they're very good at adapting to that kind of like the sense of what they're going for in the arc and not letting um you know rule details derail the not just the plot but the the um, kind of form of the arc that they're going for. Yeah. Right. Um, go oh, ahead. Go ahead.
0: All right. Well, I, I wasn't responding to that directly. So if you want to do that, I have another quick point, but you can go ahead first. No, I, I, I was going to say roughly the same
5: thing and I lost my train of thought, so go for it.
0: <laughs> okay. Um. Another thing that, just re-listening to these, that this kind of brought out was I think there was some feedback like somewhere in arc two that like, characters, players were being super safe. And I think like Susan and Rob are two players that like to take chances and mix things up a little bit. And I think that's what's led to the last few of these episodes that we've been talking about. So, and it's going to happen later on too. So I, I think, yeah. I think you're right in that. And I think
5: it was actually late in arc one that there may have been a discussion of, don't hold back on a decision because you're afraid of the meta of it. Um, so more more of the players are basing things on, well, this is what my character would do. I apologize in advance. Here we go.
6: Mm-hmm. I
3: think I talked about a little in, in one of the uh, end of the month roundtable discussions that, you know, hey, if this had been some of the Arc 1 groups that they would have been sitting in front of that carriage three days later still trying to plan it out. And right. you know, one of <laughs> oh, the man. one of the things that I mulled over a lot was trying to figure out, all right, why why is there a carriage there in the first place? Was it just a trap? Have, and the thing that I came to that, that I could come to was if you know either the the animals pulling it had died or or something, and you know, no one's gonna put a fancy suit of armor in a bomb for a booby trap. If you're setting a trap, you don't put anything in there unless you want someone to be able to see it. So I felt like it was just that they, uh, whoever was moving with the carriage originally, wasn't able to continue transporting it and then set the trap so that they could come back to get it. Not that it was just this random, you know, malicious trap sitting out in the world. It was really more of a a protection case.
4: Yeah, that was my feeling about it that, uh, you know, they, they, for whatever reason, they couldn't take there's armor with them when they left the carriage for, you know, and maybe it was the countess and it was daytime or there was some good reason behind it. But um, yeah, it certainly seemed to me like it was a protection trap rather than a booby
5: trap kind of thing. I have, I have different thoughts, but I don't think that's where we're going next. We can cover that on a different thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um, The next thing that we have is Rob's episode, which is episode 57, Make It Right, which I think Mm -hmm. is maybe one of the most future Aetheria-relevant episodes we could possibly talk about. (laughs)
4: um, We shall find out, yeah. Go for it. Well, I mean, this is the one where, uh, after uh, Masoka's been brought back by Donovan at the end of the previous episode, we deal with uh, uh, blood magic to bring back Amvin, much against the wishes of most of the rest of the party after that discussion, but certainly Clarissa, uh, sorry, certainly Maddie, who Clarissa ignores and goes ahead with Ugo to to summon our good friend Darmok, which I know everyone thought was a fix, and I kind of did too at the time. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course it was Darmok, but you know, I trust Jason if he says it was just one of the options on the table that happened to be rolled, then, then that's fair enough. Um... And it couldn't have turned out better, because I think everyone really probably enjoyed hearing that voice again, if enjoyed is the right word.
2: I was yeah. going to say, enjoyed is a struggle.
4: <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have... I think my question
3: is, in in what world do you make Darmok 8 on a D10? Um,
6: when the list <laughs> is
5: 1 through 9, Darmok, and 10, someone else. I think in <laughs> fairness, 8, 9, and 10 were Darmok. <laughs> I
4: think, I think that he did say
5: that there were th- there were
4: three or four possible outcomes from the D10 list. So.
2: Yeah, because you have to assume that not everyone, like, not every demon lord in the demon pantheon is going to respond. Like, not all of them would be Aww. interested in bringing somebody back. Mm-hmm. For, or available,
6: right?
4: or whatever.
2: Or available, yeah, so, you know...
4: One thing I do want to note from this, and it only caught it the second time around, it may mean absolutely nothing or it could be really important, was that Darmok's exact words about bringing Amvin back were, uh, I can bring him back exactly as you remember him. And that word remember just jumped out at me the second time through. And I was like, oh, so you're not bringing Amvin back, you're bringing back their memory of Amvin? So I wonder if there's something going on behind the scenes there that will come out later. We'll see. It could be absolutely nothing, and it just—I'm <laughs> reading too much into a conspiracy theory there. That could get
5: <laughs> as as murky as the Aladren bubble.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and plus, uh,
4: there's so much unknown here because we don't know what Clarissa actually agreed to. I don't think even Clarissa knows exactly what Clarissa agreed to.
2: There was a lot of options on the table, and yeah. she just said yes. Mm-hmm. So. Like that, that
4: was i mean we were going to talk about character death with this one and that one was the anvins was the the one that felt most satisfying to me with him coming back that one was the one where there's like okay there is a heavy price being paid here we don't know what it is yet but this is going to come back to bite them i didn't mind so much masoka being brought back because it felt like there was a price there too because we had sort of developed that relationship with kirkland um and and so losing both Kirkland and that kind of path that potential storyline for uh donovan mm-hmm. that that there was definitely a cost there so even though both of them came back and that felt maybe a touch contrived because it, you
1: know
4: it, it was so quickly after i mean it was certainly devastating, but it was devastating for a relatively
5: short time
4: but i I will argue that those had a cost to it.
5: I I will argue for the short term, it's the same as using the bell. Mm -hmm. Someone died. Someone was very very emotional, and that emotional person used the one option they had. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, Uh, yeah. In in terms
4: of you know the morals and ethics of it, I think there's virtually no difference there. Um, So,
3: and and uh, not to get into ahead of time that that conversation about uh, about resurrection. It was interesting to see the contrast in how Anvin came back and, and Jason was very clear that he felt great. He felt rested, that you know everything was good to go except that his clothes looked like they'd been through a bomb. Meanwhile, you had Masoka and Donovan, and they're wiped and, and getting all of the standard penalties for the next few days' worth of uh, of their stuff as they recover. Mm-hmm. Just showing the difference between you know, resurrection from, uh, you know, if you want to say a, a godly perspective versus a demonic perspective, and just knowing that it's lurking out there, that there's
4: some kind of payment that's still going to be collected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that thing's yeah. going to be a big thing. Now, and not to get into talking about group B particularly, but that's where the other character deaths were. Larg's first resurrection didn't have the same kind of feel of cost to it to me because yes for larg it did because ellen died but as the audience we really hadn't gotten to know ellen that well so she was to me kind of a discardable character at that point so it really that one felt a bit cheaper see
2: and this is i think sorry i mean we can get into the resurrection character death later but i think larg's is the one that i'm going to be willing to fight for just because so yeah yeah
0: we We will come back to this. I have some thoughts on that too. Um, I listened to this one today, and uh, I really loved the first like twenty minutes of the episode where the rest of the group is like, "Oh, what are we gonna do? Oh, let's plan a funeral. I'm sorry, Michael, like talking to Michael, like we're not gonna bring you back. I'm sorry, and then Rob's just like, "Hey, yeah, let's go. um hey, Melissa, <laughs> like, uh, let's fix this stuff and and then, uh, like he kind of wanted out of it once it started and Clarissa kept rolling to be like, nope, we're going ahead. Nope, we're going ahead. Like, it was just flat D20s and she's rolling low numbers repeatedly and, uh, so we got what we got, but,
4: yeah. A beautiful that, natural one on Ubo's persuasion roll was just couldn't.
1: Yeah, more perfect. <laughs>
5: there Go were on, a couple yeah. things in that one uh, Rob, uh, Rob always does an excellent job with stuff like this, but the thought he put into Ubo's perspective of, okay, I'm going to do this, and here's why, and um, I don't know if this was the episode he said it. Um, Essentially, I am walking shame, something to that effect.
6: Mm -hmm. And
5: Mm -hmm. he, he was so distraught about it. And at the same time, you have the other side of the party who's resting at the inn, like you said, meta-wise, they know what's happening, but then they're like, oh, we'll plan the funeral, we'll do the other stuff. You know, it, the groups are doing really well not uh, acting on information they don't have.
0: Yeah. And this yeah. would not have happened in Arc 1, at least not in a couple of the groups, for sure. So, no, Totally.
1: <laughs> well,
4: especially early on. They got a lot better at it through the last you know, yeah. 100 episodes or
2: so, but I was going to say, all I have to compare to right now is early group one, early group two. (laughs) And I'm just in here like, no, no, I can definitely see how this would have gone. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
4: there's the the famous missing group two episode where they decided to redo it after, for no good in-game reason, they killed Carter
5: when he came to visit Brayport. (laughs) So...
2: Yeah, I don't think I've quite gotten to that. I've heard about that in, like, behind the scenes and stuff. That's the
5: only time it was mentioned.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go.
0: Okay, so uh, after that episode, um, a few things happen. Um, The next episode starts up, and uh, Amvin gets some gear. Basically, I spend a bunch of money. Um, Masoka talks to God again, um, finds out that there's a way to cure Father White. So. I think they just kind of leave that on somebody else to take care of. Maybe Alex, I think. Um, Maddie quits the church over the whole demon thing. Um, not a good idea. Uh, and then there's a little spat on the road, once again, a travel thing. Um, they come across this party with, I think, like a gnome and a minotaur or something. And uh, I think they were oh, headed Eric to a, with like this Eric,
5: year. Eric with the uh, two minotaurs and the archers.
0: Yeah. And... Um. Uh, I thought they were just going to talk to them and they didn't. And then uh, Broken Ubo takes out some frustration and uh, I think, is it Let's Get Zesty or yes. something like yes. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's about to get zesty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The uh, The new Ubo um, tagline happens and he lightning bolts everybody for a ton of damage. So That was fun and they want to fight. Um, then they keep going. They make it to Dern Hollow. There's this cool thing where they hang out in the Honest Harlot for most of the day. That was a um, fun episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and Am- um, Donovan spreads a bunch of gold around. Uh, they get to meet Thorol's kid. Uh, they su- get some supplies. I think a bunch of potions and stuff. Spoilers, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> uh, they,
0: they head for the Divide, and they roll really great stuff for the Divide. And, uh, like, They just burned through most of it in one episode. Uh, I think they made like three rolls or something. And then um, Anvin senses a magical presence off the road. And that is the end of that. And our last episode we're going to talk about is the finale. And uh, basically in that finale, they do some stuff with this coffin, which we can talk about a little bit. And there's weird stuff with the collectors and keys and maybe some disease time bomb that they, who knows what they did with. And uh, then there's all the stuff with the Fang and Ripley and the Countess. So, um, yeah. Finale thoughts.
5: There's a lot of things that happened in that short amount of time. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot of information dumps that are, like you said, they're going to be big for Arc 3. Um, Ripley and presumably, I'm guessing half the Fang, you know, chose to turn. The other half probably chose to be food. Um, well, maybe chose? not chose. well, if you opt out of being a vampire, you're choosing to be food um because. the like you said, the corpse time bomb thing, which was interesting the giant the giant box and there was a lot of things are going to come from that, and I can't even begin to say how interesting the collectors and I think Jameson mentioned the keys that a couple of the groups have found. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What what does that lead to? And it, there there's a lot of plot threads that opened up, and you can see that arc three is going to be a much bigger thing with much bigger NPCs, and you can see it ramping up.
0: Um, just because I'm not sure of a couple of things, and you guys probably remember, like the Fang was working for the Black Hand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is that? Still happening or are they just like sold out to the countess now did did they always have a vampire like thing going that, on that's or... what i was
4: gonna say is like do we know for a fact that ripley was not already a
2: vampire
5: i believe they attacked braylon in durn hollow in the middle of the
0: day
2: it, it was in Lockford. oh yeah i think like i think the fight at the fountain happened in the middle of the day like where <laughs>
0: but vampires
4: can be out in the day as long as they're like covered up and stuff. So I, Um, I,
5: I think it was, this just happened. I I I think they, I think they went with the, with the closest, they, they allied with the closest, biggest threat. Um, The
2: vibe that I got from the discussion with Ripley was that it was a new development. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I guess it did sort of seem that way. So, maybe they need protection from the Black Hand because they failed at their job and the Cactus is doing that for them? But see, they kind of chose to stay in in Donhurst, so they may
5: have, the Black Hand may have assumed they gave up. They failed at their job, they stopped pursuing, they lost the trail, and they just stayed in Donhurst. So, we don't know that the Black Hand didn't go after them as well.
4: Well, we also don't know that the Countess may not be allied with the Black Hand and
5: the Fang. It may all be... Well, that would be a bigger problem, too.
4: That would be a
3: huge problem. (laughs) And it is pretty convenient that it is called the Fang. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So... (laughs) Yeah.
3: yeah, I
5: don't know how much of that was a forethought and how much was it might go in that direction or if it was just one of those lucky coincidences. But the fact that the Fang may now be mostly vampires is interesting.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, where, where is Trent is the big question.
1: I
2: think Listen, Trent
5: is running for his life.
2: Trent, I, I did not realize I had such strong feelings about Trent until I realized we did not know if he made it out of that closet or not.
4: I think he's still there.
2: I don't want to believe that. because How long has it been in game? Roll.
4: How long's it been in game since we left there's... there?
2: At Let least me see if I can two find weeks it. between the two of them.
1: Give me a
0: minute. Yeah. So while Steve is looking that up, um, Jason mentioned like secret. We haven't met yet. Member of the Fang that is supposed to be a uh, super douchey. I think was the word that he used. Mm-hmm. Um, any theories on that? I think I think Steve had one the other day. Um, I did. Yeah. I I threw out a random thought that it could be Duncan, but I don't think it is. That was a joke.
5: No, the the only one that I thought fit the bill um, was Braylon's brother. Because he got punched off the boat and we don't know what happened to him. That would fit. But I I looked through my list of NPCs and I couldn't find anyone that matched, that hadn't been seen in Arc 2 or that was, you know, the top-level douche. Um... So, uh, yeah, uh, there really is very few options unless it was a super obscure character. But Jason said a bunch of people had asked what happened to this person. Hmm. And that's the only one I had. Could it be a former PC? I don't think Jason would take a former PC and make it... I don't think
4: Jason would, but I think if the idea came up and he discussed it with the player, and if it maybe was a player that's still on the show...
0: I mean, I don't Hmm. think... I don't think it'd be out of the question if, like, maybe even a former player, like, for example, one that came on and did a character chat not that long ago, <laughs> gave them permission to, like, yeah, you can do this with my character. That's fine. Uh, like, Fee, for example, um, he does kind of sketchy stuff. Seraph's uh, I
5: pretty douchey. He's yeah. tied up in, in
4: <laughs>
0: oh, no.
5: We kind of know where he is, though.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't I mean he couldn't
4: be... He's the kind of character that can be running things from a distance.
3: I
1: guess. I he
4: is kind of the
3: opposite of douchey. As far as...
5: He was pretty smooth.
3: What
1: I've seen. Yeah. From- yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, um, I don't know if, Steve, did you find the thing you were looking for? Um, time? Not really.
5: Because okay. I don't have the full calendar.
0: Yeah, I don't... I don't think it's been that long is the answer, so... Well, I mean, you can live for how long without water?
5: Uh, Water? Three
0: days. Three days? So It's
4: it's probably been more than three days. Yeah, I think it's been with... Yeah,
2: I feel like it's been at least a couple of weeks, because... uh, Not... Group B hasn't passed that much time, it seems to me. I don't... Like, group B was there early on in the arc... And Group A got there at the end of their arc.
0: I think they said there were like what did they say? It's like four or five weeks since the Donhurst thing happened when Group A got there.
5: And that sounds yeah. about right. And that's when they um when did Lorg I'm trying to find out when Lorg came in. Episode
1: twenty. Um So if he was in an episode twenty but that still would have been...
5: Let me go back. Sorry for delays and editing. <laughs> the, the 11th of Yesti. And then they had the longest day ever. <laughs> <Dawnthurst, t weilsen> <laughs> uh, which was... Uh, d- 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 sorry, Pete.
2: It's okay. I want to know what Shrine's chances are.
5: Shrine's <laughs> chances are not good. Um, but how but t- t- did they
2: tie him up? <laughs>
5: Really? What what did I just say about his first... 11th of Yesti. 11th of
2: Yesti.
5: I'm flipping between like five different things.
0: Yeah. So the 11th...
5: That was all the episodes in Donhurst, and when they finally made it out of the sewers and rested. That was their first rest Mm
2: -hmm. after
5: this super long day.
2: Did they fight the Drakes before or after resting?
5: That... I want to say... They ran into the Drakes, and that was part of the longest day ever. But I could be wrong.
2: Okay, that makes sense. I think.
5: Yeah, that so was this four, is... four episodes on the same day.
0: Yeah, this is four or five weeks later because, like, Group A was the twenty eighth of Ferior, like at the end of episode seventy. So, yeah, this is quite. Yeah, a bit later. so
2: that's that's almost a full month. Of...
5: Like more than at, month. at least a month because episode sixty, like you said, was the third of Ferrior, So it was. It's been at mm-hmm. least a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if Trent is still in the closet, he's very dead.
2: <sighs> but he's um, not. So everything's okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, let's tackle some of these discussion topics. Um, how about uh, let's start with aims and recorded sessions versus live games? Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a good place to start. So,
2: I mean, I think we can all agree that there is definitely a difference in. Uh, the old Claudius episode because like I think especially in the old Claudius episode they got distracted by the chat and like you could hear Xavier getting more and more irritated like let's stop talking about the bear and just finish this fight can we just get out of here I don't care how much the bear weighs I don't care how big the pelt is you know like and I can understand because when you're just trying to like move to I think group a you know they try to get as much done as they can, but also move time along. You know, it could get irritating when you're stuck on this, stuck mm. on this one thing because the chat won't let it go. Right. Whereas I, in a recorded session, you don't have that problem because there's not that chat on the side going and going. But and
5: I, I, that's Jason has explicitly asked during theory thons for the groups to close their chats for that reason.
2: For sure. For sure. Um but I think another good example because uh, the other thing with live sessions, especially Theri-a-thon, is they're going twelve hours. Yes, so <laughs> i I brought up this topic because I knew i I knew I had seen at least Rob mention it on the discord that the Eladran group at the end of this year's Theri-a-thon would have gone much differently if it had been at the beginning of Theri-a-thon.
4: Because everyone's getting punchy by the third session. That's watching, uh-huh. or, at, or well, I mean, everyone except potentially the third group who not haven't necessarily been there all day. But Jason's getting a bit punchy. The chat is definitely getting a bit punchy, and it becomes it just descends into silliness at some point if given the mm-hmm. opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm. Which and, I mean, you know, it's bound to happen if you're going for twelve hours straight. Yeah, so, yeah. I
0: I listened to that episode again today, and um. It was really just fine, like you said, until like, the bear thing happened, and it was fine. And then like after they killed the bear, I think they started reading the chat. And that's when it kind of went a little off. It didn't go nearly off the rails like the Aladdin thing.
4: No, it really did but... The Aladdin <laughs> one was way off the rails. And that was not just the chat's fault, because that was the, the group doing the whole mommy thing that started it, and then the chat took it and ran with it. So.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that was from them being in the chat like earlier in the day because that stuff had been going on all day, right mm. Some of the cast had been in there, so I think I think they just kind of picked some of it up, um, but yeah, it even yep. got to Jason so
1: <laughs> yeah. the, other,
3: the other thing with Theriathon is that it was during the middle of the Kickstarter, so they were bouncing back and forth, yeah, so that would mm-hmm. drive a lot more people into the chat, but that you know, probably had an impact on where they were at as far as seeing how well it was doing or when it would slow down. You know, I think that was impacting their mood as well.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm, I think they had to to monitor the chat more because of the Kickstarter. So that's what I
5: was going to say, is they they were looking for Kickstarter updates too.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And anybody's going to start getting punchy and happy when they see how well their Kickstarter's doing the first 12 hours. I think, arguably. Because it was like 80% funded, I think, by the end of Theriathon.
4: And really, it doesn't bug me that much that it gets like that from time to time. What it bugged me is that after Dagon lost a leg and shit got real, basically, (laughs) um, they just kept on going and I was like, wait, wait a minute, Dagon could die here and he's like major character all the way through Mm -hmm. arc one and if he dies and we're all just pissing about, that's Everyone's going to regret that afterwards.
6: Yeah. It
5: it lost the gravity of after the Group B, you know, everyone, everyone in the chat, everyone on the cast, everyone who had listened to that Group B was broken down by that point. And I don't know how much of that you can sustain.
4: Right. I mean, you had, everyone needed to cut loose at that point. The Group B one was so emotional. Mm -hmm. And so there were so many factors involved in, in that.
2: For sure. But yeah. I, I but then- will
5: say this about live games. Um, live versus recorded. I'll, I'll bring up the Dragon Con game from last year. Episode 46. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was super fun. It was high energy because you got the live crowd. But that's, that's more live than playing live on, on Twitch or playing live on whatever. But it, it does add something because you do get the immediate reaction.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's different from a Twitch stream because in a Twitch stream everybody is talking and going and going and answering this person and oh let's keep that joke going and whereas in a live game we're not all sitting there whispering to each other oh make him say mommy yeah mommy you, right. you know
4: so and the yeah. one at Dragon Con was really interesting because I think even a lot of the crowd were anticipating it being kind of an epic slightly more serious thing. But just the overall mood of the room turned that and it it became a really fun experience. But I don't think it was what Jason was expecting. I don't think it was what.
5: Oh, I think at it least, went sideways
4: hard, but it. Yeah, it, at least, at least paid half the room weren't expecting it, but it really paid off. I mean. And that's, you know, they're all so good, not just Jason, but the people that were up on stage there, they, were, they took it and ran with it and they barely missed a beat. So
0: mm-hmm. I think that that happens solely because of Abby's dice roll, though, like because the combat became like super easy once the dice roll didn't bring the dragon back. Right. If um, the dragon had come back, then that could have taken a turn.
4: For yeah. sure, yeah.
2: Because they were having an easy time with the order of the scale, but then, like, and then on top of it, the dragon's not coming back. I think for a lot of the fans, at least, the tension was got because because it's like, okay, this fight is going well. None of the groomnesses are going to die. It's okay.
4: <laughs> but by that stage, we'd already hit Zabumifu and Skeletal Reach around, so it kind of turned yeah, a bit silly real. earlier than that. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: um, on the the side of. Like, I love the theri stuff. I don't think the Group B would have been the same if we weren't... I mean, like, it was amazing anyway, but being there and all watching it together was, mm-hmm. like, an experience you couldn't get any other way. So no, I was kind of neat. Well, let let me ask you a different thing.
5: Do you think it would have had the impact on the players um as an example, and this is not a slight by any stretch. Do you think Ian would have gone as hard um with his reaction to Braylon dying if it wasn't live? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I I mean I think he probably it probably I, would have been close. Yeah, I think it would have
4: gone close, but I think just that extra impetus of the live show just gave it a specialness. Like I don't know that he would necessarily have been able to Maybe he would have, but I don't think he would have necessarily been able to make his voice crack in the way that just broke everyone's hearts if we didn't have the live audience there as well.
3: I mean, I don't know if his if his response would have been much different, but I do think he would have evoked um, a different response from the listeners. I think them recognizing that that was happening live uh, really, really impacted, you know, everyone that was on the chat. More so than if it was a pre-recorded, where you don't know if they've had a second take at it or yeah, what's been edited.
4: There's no do-over. There's no editing, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, there can be for like posterity with the one that's in the feed, I suppose. But that that moment only happens once, and I think know yeah, that as as performers they know
0: that. So yeah, okay. Um, I had a question about this, and maybe. Maybe Steve knows. I think way back when in Arc 1, didn't they play some live games? Like, because I I think, like, I remember listening to a couple of the episodes, and it's like, Merlin in the chat says
4: this, or Merlin in the chat says that. It it did seem that way. I was never quite sure what the actual Mm
0: -hmm. situation
4: was there.
5: There was something, there was a couple episodes where they were talking to a live to, like, say, Twitch chat, um, because they were on Rob's channel. I think it was mentioned. Because um, that's where the whole, or part of the Bandana Rob thing came from. Uh, mm. They were on Rob's Twitch channel. They were talking to the crowd. And when the chat ended, they said, okay, we're going to log off this and go play. So I don't, I don't know that the episodes were recorded live, but they were interacting with the crowd
6: mm. previous.
0: Yeah, I definitely, good. I definitely remember, like... They, they may have saying, done one, but
5: I don't think, if yeah. if anything, it wasn't
0: a bunch. I, I was We're assuming starting. that's where the don't look at the chat came from because Justin would be like, oh, Merlin says I should do this move and that move and this move. Um, <laughs> There's one episode like that, I remember.
2: Yeah, so. it sounds familiar. Where just like Justin would be like, oh, the chat's calling for great, play, then
5: I feel that yeah. might have been a theriathon though. Maybe. Uh,
2: yeah, well, maybe. I mean... I don't think I've hit a theory yet.
5: Yeah, there were...
4: Barely early on, like in the first 30 episodes or so, I do remember thinking, it seems like there's an audience here, but I can't tell if it's like a, a fan base audience or whether it's the other players that aren't necessarily in this group. It, there was yeah. something... I don't know if there were there was something with the basement going on. It, I, I was never quite clear what was happening, but it did seem like there was some sort of audience.
3: It felt like they had some of the other group members in on the Skype call at the time that were that were messaging that may have been yeah that's possible mm, that would that.
2: make they sense but I, I know
5: in some I, I know in some cases Merlin early on Merlin was doing some articles for the website before the before Group Three was even formed mm-hmm. um, and he was doing a series of articles about the characters and he was kind of emailing them or or contacting them and saying you should. Use this move more, it's more effective in combat. Um, he was trying to kind of guide them, I don't want to say to min max, but to make them more effective. So it, they may have been pulling a, from that same. Yeah, I mean, definitely
4: because I mean, it's just a, a different style to what some of the other group members have, but that was definitely Merlin's kind of mm-hmm. style of play was, mm-hmm. as you say, not necessarily min maxing, but. Um, you know, getting making uh, sure that everyone was using things effectively. Be the combat. most combat effective, yeah.
0: Yes, combat effectiveness and efficiency. Those were his things. <laughs> so okay, uh let's keep going. How about uh Steve had slavers, is it okay to shoot first?
5: Uh it's it's I I talked about it before. I, I don't know if it's the greatest idea, but it's it adds just so many things acting with being impromptu and, and improving and just saying, this is how my character would react. Um The shooting first with Slavers was, was that episode with Maddie, but whether it's Ubo and the cart or Maddie and the Slavers or um even I think Ubo sh- did it the lightning bolt first, but Amvin did it too in that episode where they ran into Eric in the Minotaurs. It's characters uh, get emotional, they get fed up, and it's, is it okay to just say, I've had enough of this crap, zap, pew-pew, whatever your weapon of choice is, and just let it fly without saying anything?
0: So I have a couple things on this. One, like, I think it's great on the show when it happens because it doesn't happen that much. If you're in, like, a party with somebody and they do that, like, every single encounter, it gets really obnoxious, right? So I think there's a difference in, like, your home game in this podcast. Um, my dog's going crazy. But anyway, <laughs> somebody else. Yeah, i mean, I tend to agree with that. It
4: doesn't happen from any one character that you know, all the time. So I think on the show it it, it works and and it's. I
5: don't a... think I don't think one character has done it more than once. Right, exactly.
2: And okay, it's the, not... you... Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it's not like Maddie's shooting guiding bolts at everybody they pass who you know on this on their side of the road. It's just. I mean, there I might can't... be
6: a
4: character justification for a particular character for it to happen more often, but we just haven't hit that, certainly okay. not in arc two. So.
0: I feel like Ubo maybe did it three times at the end of the arc. <laughs> so, because he, he did the cart, and then he set off on his own to do the, the resurrection thing, and then he got zesty, like, just an episode later. So, which was, like, the first attack on that group. But I just... Took I that think
4: as, there was more impulsiveness from Ubo, and that's kind of what I was saying. Was like, justifications for him doing that are easy to make, so... It's on brand for a of character.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that leads, leads us to my comment, which is Ubo's mental health. Um, because one of my... I guess it's kind of a favorite part of the arc, although it really... F- Felt like it wasn't Ubo's mental health as much as maybe Rob's mental health for a moment. Like he just felt broken about what he had done to the group, and it it really kind of hurt me. <laughs> so because like he felt like he didn't know how to play the character anymore, I thought he was going to retire Ubo at the end of one of those episodes, and it was just kind of heartbreaking. So it was.
1: Mm
4: hmm. And right. it was just I think when you play character for long enough when it's when the story is done this well, you you should hit that point where you're like, Oh, I this character's broken, I don't know where to go from here. But it need you need time to sit back and think about what the next move is. And it's great that, you know, it came towards the end of a session because right. if, Robin, if if that had happened at the
5: beginning of a session, that could have been a, a horrendous time for Rob to try and work through. And I think Rob had said previous that sometimes playing Ubo is more of a challenge than he's used to because he is a natural speaker and he he plays charisma-based characters for a reason. And Ubo Mm -hmm. is more of a challenge with that. When when you do something like the cart and you affect other people's characters in that big of a a thing, yeah, it, it, it can... Change the way you want to play, or the way you perceive your own character, and I think Ubo was a little broken. Yeah, but it, it's I, good that they had that break between episodes for Rob to kind of sort that out. And I think you know, no doubt, Rob was a little broken too, because
4: when you kill two of your party members, you gotta feel crappy at that. So. Yeah, as yeah. a
5: conscientious uh, group member, you, you don't want to ruin someone else's character. You
0: know, know and, th- and we didn't know they were coming back. Right. That was the that was the thing Rob talked about back in arc one was like the pact of being a good party member or like, you know, this is what it means to be in a D and D group. I have to go along with this stuff. I have to follow these rules basically. And like he had trouble with fine. Malchus was sticking with the party for a while. Um, So I think he thinks about a lot of this stuff. Yeah.
6: Um,
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. I
3: Uh, I think every time something got piled on top of Ubo, I was waiting to see whether or not he was actually going to, be able to internalize it and move forward. Or if the next scene was going to be him trekking up to the top of a mountain by himself and potentially throwing himself off it.
5: Yep. <laughs> yeah. If, if Maddie can't help him justify or reason out why he should stay. Yeah. That, that That's a huge potential. And now him not even knowing what the pact was, but Ubo had that scene with Clarissa where they sorted out their stuff. And he's like, if anything ever happens, I'm going to be the first one back in this town. You know, so it, it's still mm-hmm. going to affect the character yeah. as long as he's a character. But he didn't get his closure that he needed. Nope. On and either. I wonder
2: how much... Sorry. And I, I wonder how much the fallout from all of this is going to affect his decisions come arc three. Because now they're walking up to the Countess's uh, manor or whatever. And she's a vampire, and Ubo is well-known for not liking vampires. But the last time he just lashed out when he thought there was vampires, like we said, he killed two of his party members. And Maddie's told him now, you make that up by protecting the two of them, and you make sure that nothing happens to them. So I think it's going to lead to some really interesting like, character development for him to see how he reacts now when he's in a situation where maybe he wants to attack, but he has to stop and think, well, what's this going to do to the rest of the party?
3: Didn't that carriage actually have the Countess's arms on it?
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes.
3: Yeah. I I, so maybe even the armor um that Masoka got out of there, wasn't it basically her armor? So if they're walking up to that door, that was one of my thoughts is what's going to happen when she sees this guy wearing
0: her armor.
5: And I, I think, I think Susan or someone mentioned that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But now
5: I'll go in, into what I had mentioned before if I have alternate theories of that, if we have time for it. Um, I don't know that it was the Countess's armor, um, because there was the guy in Aubrey who Artemis told them about who had ordered the armor or who, who had brought him the armor um, to complete. I think the cart was either a payment or a test mm-hmm. where the Countess was testing someone to make sure they had the ability she needed to do a thing. If they could get in and get the armor, they could have the armor. It's also a way that if it was a payment, it could be in there and only a certain level of rogue is going to get into that to get that armor.
3: That's a really interesting idea. I
5: hadn't thought about it from that point. (laughs) Because why else would you, why would you even have that much alchemist fire around you? To leave I mean, it in a cart in case your cart breaks down. That makes no sense whatsoever.
1: It
0: could be that there was no way like a rogue even could open it. Like the skill check would be super high or something. And maybe it took like a, a knock scroll or something that she had given to somebody. Right. Um, it, it, it could have
5: been magically protected with a glyph or with a whatever, like you yeah. saying.
4: The only it, thing that makes sense with the Alchemist Fire is that they were transporting a shit ton of alcohol, of alcohol? Yes, they were shit <laughs> no they were wrong. they were transported to- yeah, uh, that's a whole different podcast. Yes. Um, shit ton of alchemist <laughs> fire for some reason, or that was deliberately set there as a trap. So I, I can't think of another reason that would be like that.
0: Okay, yeah. uh, we're going to keep moving. I did have one random thought that just came into my mind, which is um, the, the fun that it would be for Malchus to hunt down Ubo for ruining his family. Um, as Darmok kills Shadzia and the little kids. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Malchus would take up that cause,
5: though?
0: Uh, possibly. Like, I think he likes these kids a lot. So. Yeah.
5: It's not for, for, a, twins, not, for, a, not for a lack of caring. Yeah. Or a lack of, and then I'm gonna die too. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting now, idea. Tessia might put the full force of, of Dragon Keep behind that. Yeah. I don't know if Malchus would.
0: Yeah. I I feel you like know. Tessia would be logical enough to just be like, okay, it's Darmok. it's the problem, not, not I feel like the Evo.
4: combination of Tessia and Aralov putting pressure on Malchus to do it would probably do it though.
5: Oh, I think Aralov would go after him before Malchus would.
4: Oh uh, yeah, but I think Aralov would put pressure on Malchus to join her and oh, maybe
0: that would work. Well they're hanging out together right now as far as we know. So um and maybe maybe really close to Jadzia. So Mm -hmm. who knows? They might be there when something happens. Um okay, we got two of these left. Uh one was the sheiks' um topic, which is group missions. So we aren't a hundred percent sure uh where was going with this but i think it has to do with just like the difference in the groups that had a clear mission versus the ones that didn't so we're talking about group a and i think group a had missions like all throughout the arc it's like you're gonna deal with the orcs and then you're gonna go to Donhurst, and that's pretty much it that's the whole arc they had like clear missions yeah um, group a were never
4: directionless um in this whole time that I can think of. It was it was more like a kind of boulder's gate thing of like they had their main mission and then they had their side missions that came up along the way.
6: Yeah.
5: Even so, Group C where they weren't necessarily um, hired to do a mission, they did have objectives.
6: Yeah.
2: I feel I like... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like Group B had the most sit-downs to be like, okay, we need to clarify, clarify. We're all in Um, What our objective is, because I'm like a lot, a couple of times I read this to a few episodes, and a, a a couple of times they're like, I'm a little unclear of what we're trying to do right now. You know, before like before they left Aubrey, uh, not Aubrey, Dern Hollow, before yeah. they left Dern Hollow the first time. You know, they had to sit down and be like, hey, we're leaving Hollow. Where are we going? Okay. And then they came back to Dernholo, And then before they leave Hollow the second time, it's like, is this still the plan? Like, has anything changed? So,
0: because yeah, they were picking between like Callie's curse, Calden's arm, Braylon's memories. All these things were just reactions to stuff besides Callie's curse, which they never did anything about. Um, and then I think finally that attack by the Black Hands. Um, assassins or whatever set them on their mission. Like, okay, it's got to be the black hand because we're not going to be allowed to do anything else. Um, but until then, yeah,
2: yeah. I and like, at what that's it. And at one point, Kelly even has this like, has a moment with called where which like, do you even want your arm back? Like, right. I've got I've been concentrating on this, I've been trying to find the ingredients, like, uh is it even worth me taking the time? Because if not, we've got a mile long list of stuff we could be doing.
4: I was
3: really surprised that that didn't take more of a front row position that, you know, uh, that all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, you know what? I'll just get by with it. I'll just carry around this, this really heavy lump of ice that looks like an arm and, and we'll get by right up until the point where I have to do strength checks. But we are talking about a group that, their entire arc was, what, 30, 33 days worth? Mm-hmm.
5: You know, mm-hmm. that, That's pretty close, and that's what I was going to say, is they have the shortest runtime, time, um, shortest game time of any of the groups.
4: And arguably the most plot threads of all of the groups. I mean, things just kept on happening that would, you know, it's, the lack of focus doesn't surprise me, because they had so much to choose from. Right, and, so, and
0: everything uh, was urgent. Yeah. Yeah, so I and, think, yeah, I think the arm would have been a bigger deal if it mattered mechanically, like, at all. Like, I'm not 100% sure Jason would do the mechanics. So that's the same way if he had another shot at it. Because, um, like, you could have said that messes up some of his, like, spell motions that he had to make, and maybe he needs to take time to relearn how to do that.
3: That could have been um, really interesting, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah, anything with a semantic component, you know. Right. It, to, to immediately lose those spells temporarily, uh, I think that would have totally changed the direction.
5: Yeah, but that, then it becomes how much is too much before it destroys the character.
4: But also how much is, how much would it have driven getting Calden's arm back as, as the force behind that group? So it's, right. it's a difficult balancing act.
2: Because personally, I didn't notice a huge change. Like, you'd have to think that losing an arm would change a person. And I didn't notice a huge change in Keldon's character. Like sometimes it's easy to forget he's missing an arm until somebody makes a joke about it or until something happens where he needs the arm. But I think it's
4: the difference between balancing in game and out of game time, because in game it hasn't been long at all. But it's been how long? A year and a half, two years since since that happened. So for for Ian and the rest of the group, it's like, that was a long time ago, you lost that arm and it's what, 30 days, did we say?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's
4: been when, maybe... At which time a person is gonna be really struggling to, to adjust, but it's really hard to play that out over that long of a period and keep it fresh as a, well, this is a traumatic event that just happened.
2: For sure.
5: Yeah, and I believe that he actually lost that in Group B's second episode. It was, it was like yeah. episode eight. Mm-hmm. You know, It was way back. And I think they mentioned it a few episodes later, where you know he was doing something, waving the stump around, um, and it's it's only been like three days. You yeah. Know. The same
4: episode, by the way, which is one of my favorite parts of Arc Two, was um, Braylon's disguises for um, <laughs> for Callie and Elena, which. Yeah.
5: I, I thought it was just wonderful. Completely meaningless disguises that were totally bunched. Yeah.
0: So if anyone wants to hear about Group B, uh, we're recording Group <laughs> B on July 24th. At, no, Sorry. it's fine. <laughs> uh, Dude, we, have, we, have, we have one more of these topics, and we've held off on it until the end. And uh, it's character death and resurrection. We touched on it a little bit. And then in the spreadsheet over here, somebody added, oh boy. Yeah. And... I think that was the Sheiks because I know he, he didn't put this as a topic, but he wanted to talk about it. And um, I think there's a lot of stuff with consequences and, like, it's a podcast, but it's also a and d game, and there's rules in the book, and then there's Jason's rules. Mm-hmm. And, like, some thoughts that I had just real quick, like, Arc 3 is on the way, and they're going to level up to where, like, Each party's going to have somebody that can do resurrection, like pretty soon, I think. So that's going to change our outlook on this. Um, So, yeah, what do you think about character death and like the drama and it being a podcast and all that stuff? So, it was Rob's topic. I think um, it's not even so much character death
4: that is where I, I I'm having. Or had issues during art too. It was actually NPCs more than anything else, and in particular, Little Vernon.
2: Oh, Vernon!
4: I just, I, I think that would have been so much more impactful if he had died from a story perspective. And, a, and, and when Callie was it Callie rolled that mm-hmm. one and fell out of the the wagon and landed in her head or whatever. I was like, that should have been the moment where it was like, okay, that was your shot at saving the kid. Uh, And that that one kind of like really bugged me for a while. The character deaths, particularly on Group A, I think we kind of covered earlier on. I think you can justify those and they played out pretty emotionally satisfactorily for me. Um, And I I think we also have to bear in mind that with other dice rolls, that could have gone in a completely different direction. In Arc arc 2 as a whole, the resurrection dice rolls for the party went really well.
0: So I think it's a little short-sighted to say that, like, having character resurrection like removes drama from the show because, like, because there's resurrection, but it's hard to do. You right. get all this other drama. Like this Darmok thing is going to be crazy Absolutely. that nev- never would have happened. Um, so, in fact, no, it, it's yeah, that was based yeah. on a resurrection.
2: We, we don't even know what's going to happen with that yet. Because, you know, I think a lot of people are assuming, well, Vecna's there. They're going to get a re- get to resurrect Braille and Lark. Uh-uh. But they might only be able to resurrect one. They might not be able to resurrect either. Mm-hmm. or And, you know, even if they do get to resurrect one, who says they get a choice? Because, you know, um, oh, gosh, what's Arathis? Arathus has already visited Lark the first time that he died. And who's to say that Vecna might not be like, okay, well, we've chosen the Paladin as our champion. Sorry, Calden, you don't get Braylon back.
4: Oh, you know? God, that would be so
6: heart-wrenching.
2: <laughs> and like, I don't think anybody can argue that that's not going to be... Uh, uh, like that's gonna remove, Nobody can argue that that's going to remove drama, because that's going to... That's just gonna, oh, I think. Well, I, think and I what,
4: what about yeah. the drama for Larg in a case like that? You've been brought mm-hmm. back from the dead twice in a matter of days. That's the, the burden cases. of that has got to be huge.
2: And, and two other people have paid the price for that.
0: Yeah.
5: And Larg right. was the number one person against ever using that bill. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, Mark. Yeah.
5: yeah
3: and what Mark about resurrection? Opinion. well i think that one of the things that that was surprising to me as a listener was that you had these meaningful scenes where where somebody died and then typically either that episode or the next episode every single time they got back up and yes there was a price but you know i i don't I don't take it the same way when an NPC pays that price. Cause I think about it from the perspective. If, uh, if I walk down the street and here's someone that I kind of know what's the likelihood that they're actually going to put their life on the line to bring me back when I'm dead a, a, as a PC. So like the, the, the Helen one that we talked about earlier or Ellen with LARG, you know, that one, it, it felt soft. Because, yeah, we lost an n p c uh, yeah, it was meaningful in large backstory, but it was an n p c so y- you could make the argument that they're you know they they're somewhat disposable to start with, but it's it it doesn't it doesn't have the punch, and you know what I miss is the idea that that resurrection it takes a piece away from the caster and from. Uh, from the recipient. Now, the, the Bella Vecna is a little bit different because you're talking about an artifact. So I get it. The, the rules kind of go sideways on that. But as a spell, especially as we're looking at Arc 3 availability, I'd just like to see more than just, hey, roll on the mental health chart.
0: Yeah. Yes. So how different would it be if Jason was just playing rules as written? And I think probably every party would have Revivify. By this point. Oh my god.
4: I I I can't stand the D and D Resurrection rules as written. Even and they're better in fifth edition than they've been in the past, but I it's just so easy comparatively. And that's one thing I really appreciate about DNR is that there there are consequences and it is more difficult. Now personally I prefer it to be even more difficult than that, but it's not something I'm gonna nitpick about on the show because those as long as it's emotionally satisfying, I could give a crap what the rules are. Personally. So
0: I think we're gonna get some awesome quests where, like, Maddie has to do some crazy thing with a monitor to, to get resurrection, right? Like, I don't think you just get it when you get to level ten or eight right. or whatever it is. So that's gonna be some pretty neat stuff, but definitely way different than how Arc One dealt with character death. Yeah.
1: So
4: and, and there, you know, that there was that huge argument basically about resurrection very early on in Arc One. Which um, you know, it's interesting to go back and listen to now with how it's all changed. So, but yeah, I totally agree about Ellen's death. By the way, that that one that that was the one that, and we're getting into Group B too much, but um, that was the one that really felt cheaper than all the others. And I think it had a large effect on Larg with his backstory. But we just we Ellen was a disposable character as far as the audience was concerned at that point. <laughs>
2: I guess I just don't see it as anybody like I don't think any character is a di- like is a disposable character necessarily, and maybe this like from me never having played, and maybe uh, you know I'll change my mind if i when I get a chance to sit down to a game, but I think we just haven't had the chance to see the payoff from Ellen's death, like, oh yeah, effect on Mark, and I also think that Jameson was going somewhere really interesting with what he rolled on the mental health table. Yes,
4: definitely. I and mean, that stuff all felt satisfying.
2: Um, and so I, like, I can see where people are coming from saying that, you know, it seems too easy. But I think what we're seeing is a product of dice rolls. If, like yeah. you, you had said, Rob, if they had rolled differently in Group A... Masoka wouldn't have gone back up. And right. for all we know, we would they would have lost Donovan as well. Mm-hmm. And so oh. this is where we're seeing the game of D&D coming into the podcast where it's coming down to dice rolls, and it's the dice rolls that are deciding whether or not these characters are standing back up.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean they could potentially have lost, in the space of two episodes there, Donovan, Masoka, Ubel, Clarissa, Amvin... And, and Kirkland, I suppose, will include him too. And they, they could
0: all have been gone had dice rolls gone badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that takes me to a question I wanted to ask you guys that's a little bit related to this. Um, let's say we get to arc three, and like group C is really bad at steering a boat. And <laughs> like episode two, they all sink and die. Um, what do you want to happen? Like, are we just done with all those characters? Like, we did a whole arc, and now they're both Um, uh, Like, what What do we want out of that? Like, I don't see that option,
4: had- because a. a, that would be harsh. B, it's not particularly great storytelling if the dice rolls trump the story that much. Um, I think th- there's a way out of it.
3: <laughs> they rolled really high on the quality of the crew they had, didn't they?
0: They mm-hmm. did. Okay, so maybe my example is the problem. I've just If we had a TPK, like we haven't had one really ever. Group 2 was close, but we've yeah. never really had one. What if we had a TPK on the podcast? How do I you want to deal with that?
1: It's well,
4: got to be a possibility, otherwise there's no stakes. So, but like,
0: the, the, the question
5: you pose, what do you do with it? One, as listeners, we have no control over that. Um, but two, it, it, if using the example, if the boat sinks, if uh, episode 3, the party just gets wiped out by a hill giant, whatever it is, um, if there's no one around to find them who cares enough to do anything about it, they start with a whole new party. Mm-hmm. That's just what happens. Um, look at the bump in the night group. You know, It's, it's a, a possibility, based on where they're going, even, um, if they get to uh are they going to Atheist or are they going somewhere else? Wherever they go.
2: Kodai, isn't it?
5: Kodai. Yeah. They, they could land on that island and get met with an angry tribe of natives and just get killed. Yeah. And no one's even ever gonna know about it because they didn't send any notes to anybody. It's just gonna be the end of a lot of plot threads. But that's so, like you said that's But the that's beauty terrific. about
4: the beauty about what's been built here is that it, say that does happen because those plot threads are left without a conclusion there are effects on the world right so and and we know by now that the story is so rich and so good that that is likely to come around again at some point in the future and join in an unresolved plot line will affect one of the other parties or the new party so um i think you know that that kind of trust with the odd between the audience and between jason storytelling have has really been built up at this point.
5: Right, and there's, there's things from Arc 1 that are still kind of creeping in, whether it's um, Thoril's kid, or mm-hmm. whatever. There's little bits and pieces. There's so many characters we haven't reconnected with, even from Arc 1. Um, you know, the Soras, and the people who did not come back, that we still don't know, and we might get a thing in Arc 3. We might not ever hear from that character again. So, not everything needs a continuation. Yeah. But it keeps the vague interest there alive, and someone may stumble across the remains of a party eventually. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it would be kind of comical if they got close to making the gates work after seven years and then TPK'd, and we just have to wait another like seven years for somebody <laughs> to make the gates work. Dave, you're a horrible person.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but. They get rid says,
4: there and
5: everyone dies. They everyone all get just, turned inside out.
4: I
2: mean, happens, they all explode.
4: And <laughs> the end of arc. When you get to the end of an arc you know, towards the end of arc one was for for some of the characters. There's got to be that possibility that the party don't win, and maybe it's a TPK, but we know that's going to have an effect on the world. So,
2: okay, I think if there was a T, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No. I was
0: yeah, just going to say,
2: I think if there was a TPK that the cast, like whatever group it happened to, like they're all good enough to come like to come back. for. It, it would be rough, so rough. But Jason would turn it into something. That like we wouldn't see the end of it. Well, right I, there, so there's ways. Sense.
0: Yeah, there's ways that people deal with this in home games. And I guess that's what I was like. Mm-hmm. Would you want to see like and underworld adventure with that party? Or do you just want him to be gone? I guess that's kind of what I was thinking.
4: You know, if you're looking at something like that, if say the boat sank early on in Arc 3, uh, we know there, because Jason said it before, there are more people on Theria. I think there's a perfect opportunity there to explore a new culture that we haven't seen before.
0: I think it would be interesting if, like, they TPK'd and played another party and then we found out, like, five years later that they were trapped in some secret underworld thing and came <laughs> back for a one-shot <laughs> or something. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, I had another comment, but it has to do with Group C because we were talking about that. So we'll wait on that. It has to do with the gates, um, but we'll come back to that in August. Um, anybody got final thoughts? I think we're pretty much done. So,
5: um, no, it, I'm sure the resurrection topic will be brought back up because when we do group B, I think they had the most opportunity. Um granted Larg is you know has had multiple and by August we still won't know what's happening because Dragon Con's end of the month. So yeah, I, I think we're gonna revisit that one probably on every group. But yeah, I what I, 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 don't... Be, I
2: think Group B I think. Because group C is the only group that didn't have True. And well, they had
5: people leave but they didn't have
0: anyone die no yeah. that's it i think i i need to count but the one thing i realized going through this today was group a had at least the ones we picked there was a lot of combat like i think i listened to four or five combats just re-listening to these six episodes um i think group c only had like two combats in the whole arc
6: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. group c and we'll get to it in september i guess um August Had the August. most... I don't know what month it is. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. Yeah. Um, group C, I think, was the most adventure group. They did dungeon crawls. They did a lot of side quests. They had diseases. They, they've they had a lot of things going on. Um, but they didn't necessarily have... I'm trying to think of any... Well, they had the one combat where Merrick almost died like six times mm. with yep. the gnolls. But they had very few combats, yeah. Um, they
3: were like they, they were like the hack and slash traditional party that managed to talk their way out of everything.
5: Yeah, Clara was a big yeah. uh, proponent of talking the way out. Okay. The thing I think I'm
4: left with with Group A is that I can there are so many moments I can pick out of Arc Two with Group A that are memorable and that I loved, um, and the the play episode still as a as a single episode sticks out in my mind a whole lot. But um, I think it was, it was kind of for me as a perfect encapsulation of arc two is that the thing that sticks with me most from group are the characters rather than the events. I, I know yeah. we, talked,
6: mm-hmm. we
3: talked in the chat a little bit about it, but I don't know that we brought it up in this conversation about the impact of having two heavy role players um, in in Rob and James in the same group. And Susan. Right,
0: right, and Susan, yeah. And Xavier. I mean honestly. Yeah,
4: <laughs> because <laughs> it
5: really is a <laughs> it's
4: a loaded group. Right the- They're all
0: and
5: uh, all of the groups have it. These players have been playing not necessarily these characters, but have been playing with DNR for years. They they know how to bring it when they need to bring it.
0: Yeah. yeah there was a thing that we brought up a little bit that maybe as a closing thing here um there's some talk about like Rob taking a step back in this arc um and maybe picking a character that didn't fit the way that he liked to play so much with charismatic characters you mentioned that earlier
4: I think Rob um, and James did, both kind of had that feeling of, if it was my understanding that they wanted to just Not be in the background, but to just not be quite so front and center as Dagon and Malchus were. Right.
0: So what I thought was interesting is we picked these, like, five or six episodes. And, like, Rob was a big part of all the ones that we picked. Um, With maybe the exception of Maddie shooting first. Um, So I don't know if there's something to that or not. But maybe I need to re-listen to all of them. But it seems like we enjoyed the episodes where Rob kind of stepped up. So, I don't know. Well, I,
5: I think, Rob, in taking a step back from not being the Malchus group talking person um, and letting other people have to do the talking for him, when Ubo did step up, it had more punch to it.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like group A, we got a lot... The, the characters got an equal chance more or less to show who they were. I mean, there's obviously a couple of quieter people, but at the end of the day, I think I can say that I know who most of the characters are.
5: Right. I, I kind of want to see huh. Aster step out a little yes. bit. And Amvin step out a little bit. And I realize they are, in the characters, a little less front and center. But mm-hmm. I, I feel in Arc 3, they'll, they'll get their their moments to do their thing, where it, it just didn't happen as a normal flow in arc two, but I I, I think they'll come out.
0: I was thinking about. Think, um, oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, sorry. I Please. was just going to say I think I agree that we haven't seen as much of Aster and Avon as we maybe would have liked, but I think with the few moments that they did get, they did a good job of showing what they stood for. Like, you know, in the old Claudius episode, I meant to bring it up earlier, but like at the end of that episode, there is that whole. Rope swinging competition that Masoka and Aster have. And right. I think just like little moments like that show, like, no, we're not having these big character moments, but little moments like that kind of show pieces of the personality where it's like, okay, Aster's a thrill seeker. And no, Aster's not okay with <laughs> blood magic or demons or, you know, Kelsey did a good job of explaining that Aster was not comfortable with Anvin after he came back.
5: Right. And, and- there was still opinions and, you know, activities. And Aster did have things to say about a lot of things, but there were no, I don't want to sound negative about it. Um, there wasn't a big Aster moment. But no. It, but I think it's probably
0: going to come.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that could have changed really early in the arc if the thing with the orcs and the elves had gone differently. Um, Aster might have been a lot bigger part of how that went but it just didn't go that way so yeah know,
3: just she thought. spent a lot of time talking about and, and being very clear with what her reaction was to those orcs and she did a good job of not fading into the background for that that front end of the arc
0: yeah and then i i think it just didn't go towards anything that was really that related to her character for the rest of the arc so yeah Okay. Um, I think we are done. So I'm going to turn this recording off unless anybody else has something they want to say really quick.
1: Nope.
0: I mean, no, I'm good. good. I'm good. All right. Bye, thanks bye. everybody. Bye. We'll be back uh, sometime. We're recording another one in like 11 days. So okay. I don't
1: know when this is getting posted, but all right. Thanks everybody.